What's up, everybody? We're back with episode seven of the podcast. This is an episode that was extremely fun for me to record as I got to talk to one of my closest friends, Evan Glasgold. Evan is an accomplished powerlifter, winning four national titles in the 66 kilo weight class and going on to worlds multiple times to represent the U.S. He is now a Brazilian jiu-jitsu athlete who has found passion coaching in that new space. In this episode, we talk about his journey and finding love in BJJ, as well as dive into a bit of a deeper conversation about truly finding what your client's goals are. It is a for sure a good listen, but before we start, I do want to thank Bear Performance Nutrition for supporting both me and the podcast. BPN is a company that values trust and community and shows it in every single facet of their products and services. The fact that they third-party test all of their products brings me peace of mind as I prep for USAPL Raw Nationals. Whether you are a powerlifter or a runner, BPN has a product for you and a link to their leading products is provided below. Again, thank you all for tuning in and enjoy the episode. How you been, man? I know oh, that we, are we, we kind of, yeah, yeah, we're, we're starting. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll keep that in. I don't care. It'll, it'll be, it'll cool. be a nice Let's do intro. It. Let's um, do it. I think it's really funny. You mentioned this as we hopped on the call that this is possibly the second time that we have ever spoken to each other with our mouths instead of text. And I think I've known you since 2018. I think 2018. Yeah. Yeah, that's in, that's insane. Um, for those that don't know, Evan has been a really good friend of mine for a very long time. We were thrown in a group chat together back in like 2018. And that group chat still stands uh, to this day uh, with us and, a, us and a couple more buddies um, just hanging out, talking about powerlifting, talking about life. You know, some of my closest friends are in that group chat, which is hilarious to me. Dev, uh, uh, David. All those guys, amazing. Um, but so I kind of gave you an intro in the beginning, going through your, your powerlifting accolades, going through how you transition out, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that for yourself. And so if you want to, Evan Glasgow, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, what's up, guys? Yeah, Evan Glasgow here. Uh, I'm currently coaching at Breakthrough Performance in Long Island. Uh, we work with mostly wrestlers there, but we also do gen pop. And um, my background, which of course, as Rob probably mentioned, I started off in powerlifting. I was probably 14 or 15. Uh, I ended up becoming pretty competitive right when I hopped in. Uh, I ended up winning USAPL nationals four times. Um, I went over to IPF Worlds. I got four silver medals there. Um, there's a bunch of records on the USAPL database, which I have forgotten about. But uh, yeah, so powerlifting doesn't actually take up much of my time or my thoughts at this point. Uh, I've largely shifted over to that like more sports strength and conditioning world as uh, as I previously mentioned, which I think is going to take up a large portion of this conversation, which I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, additionally, I've been vegan for five years, which I try not to feed into the stereotype of being I vegan. I totally forgot about that. And uh, yeah. Luckily, Rob forgot about it. I try not to be the preachy vegan, but it is something that, that is worth mentioning because uh, it's good to have a little representation out there, fight the stereotype of the uh, of the skinny, you know, skinny wheat vegan, which I, I don't think I am. No, no. Evan's jacked. If you go on his page, you'll see he's probably got the biggest forums out of anybody I know. It's it's absurd. The dude's got like his, his forums are the size of my calves, I think. I got um, a in public. Yeah, they're, they're freaking huge, dude. Um, but yeah, so you you were very very competitive in powerlifting early on in your career, and and I know that you wrestled in high school as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that moving from wrestling to powerlifting was like an easy thing to do simply because of like a weight class kind of thing, where it's just like oh yeah, and you know another sport with weight classes, I can just file myself right in, and then poof, you kind of saw success, and then ran with it i think one of um i think wrestling did set me up really well for powerlifting but not exactly in that way uh when i was wrestling i would frequently get frustrated not knowing how to improve not knowing exactly what i needed to do to get the results on the mat and in competition that i wanted to so 
once I started seeing powerlifting and, and I saw how formulaic and how, you know, for lack of a better term, monotonous the training can be, I looked at it and I was like, well, that seems pretty simple. You know, I find a good coach, I put in the work and it's, it's going to go about as well as, as that, you know, as, as well as my, as well as my genetic limitations will allow, which, uh, you know, I, I wrote that out for a few years and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, so I obviously come back around to grappling a little bit with, uh, taking up jujitsu. And, um, now I'm trying to tackle those, those, uh, issues that frustrated me in the beginning. Uh, but I'm very grateful for my time having competed in powerlifting. Uh, there's, there's also a quote that everyone who's ever wrestled and everyone who's ever talked to a wrestler knows the, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy. Um, that's incredibly corny, but in terms of sport, at least when we're talking about powerlifting versus wrestling, uh, I, th I think it's worth mentioning. So for me, again, going into powerlifting, um, I thought a lot of, well, you know, I, I really enjoy how everything's laid out. Um, and it's, it's as simple as me showing up, trusting my coach, putting in the work. There's a lot of intangibles outside of that in other sports that, you know, for some make it more interesting, but for me, it kind of frustrated me because it was things out of my control almost. Yeah, no, that's, I, I really like that point you made that, that powerlifting above anything else is unless, unless there's really some catastrophic event that happens, you know, a car crash or anything else like that outside of training, it is kind of just you and your coach. And at the end of the day, if you've got a good coach, it's, it's just you. Um, whereas in these other sports, I, I know I played team sports growing up, played baseball and football. Um, and so every single time that I stepped on the field, I was relying on either eight or 10 other guys to do their job to see success. And I think that I had uh, a lot of like, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, like solitude or, or it kind of felt good coming into powerlifting from that environment, because much like you thinking, oh, it's just, you know, there's not all these intangibles. I'm not having to worry about the other guy on the mat, what he's doing. You know, this, I know that jujitsu is kind of thought of this game of chess rather than a physical game. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that you'll talk about that a little bit more too. Yes. Uh, going in, going into powerlifting, it was just like, okay, just pick up bar, put bar down, put bar on back, go down, stand back up, put bar on chest, put it back up. It's very simple. Very, very simple. I think the word that we're looking for is control, right? We yes. have control yes. of every single variable in powerlifting, right? We can find the equipment that we need to get on. We pick our coach, you know, we lift the weight, we decide like everything, you know, which is, is very uh, comforting to have. Like I can, I can predict everything that's going to happen, which, you know, for me is definitely how I looked at and how I compared the sports. Yeah, do you think that that and this is just a question that, that popped in my mind here. Do you think that because we we see so often a lot of now powerlifters who didn't play team sports, they got into powerlifting when they're 14, 15 years old because of the boom in social media that it's had. Um, do you think that maybe that aspect of of you know more athletic sports, I'll call them team sports, athletic sports, varsity sports, even, which here in Texas, powerlifting is a varsity sport. And so that's a little bit a misconception do you think that that's an important lesson to learn is that you know some of these things they simply just can't be in your control whereas if you were to start just strictly in powerlifting which you did start very early on you were one of you know few guys that i knew that were powerlifting at 17 years old competitively in the usapl um do you think that it would have hindered you later in life not not knowing like okay man some things just there's nothing I can do about it. Whereas if you're starting early in powerlifting, you have that mentality. Ah, I have to be able to control everything because I can in this specific area of my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I certainly think that there is something to that. I think the question is really when it comes down to it, are people going to get the lessons out of this difficulty that is bestowed upon them? Like I know. Um, for me, my family, my brothers and I all wrestled, right? I'm the only one who currently is doing anything active in any way, right? So it would be foolish of me to say that those benefits are there for everybody. For me, I looked at the hardship 
of the sport and, you know, not to get overly like tuning my own horn or anything that I was able to come up out of it. But, you know, I was receptive to the difficulty and I thought, well, this is something that I'm very interested in overcoming. This is something I have to overcome. I have to learn how to work around. Whereas for many people, you know, the difficulty of sports is off-putting and uh, I can't, I can't knock them as, you know, I can't knock that as a moral issue. It's just, they don't see the benefit or anything like that. So I think while for me, wrestling, you know, before getting into powerlifting, uh, definitely like gave me more to learn from before going into powerlifting. Whereas earlier I mentioned that, you know, the powerlifting training is not as difficult, which we could talk about for a long time because there's, yeah. there's, um, I think that's because I was fortunate enough to be, to be able to look at it that way. Uh, whereas the, the inverse would be very beneficial for a lot of people because there's the accessibility factor of it. Powerlifting training is not always difficult, right? You have so much more control. So you can introduce people to sports through, um, like we use, I'm sure you use a lot of language like progression, regression in the weight room, right? Yeah. I, I think you could almost view for getting like younger people into sport. I think you could almost view powerlifting as a regression of sport because it's so simple. You do have so much control. There are so many layers in other sport that are not involved. And I think that holds true for several sports. Uh, but obviously, this is a powerlifting folks podcast. So we'll talk about that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, this uh, this podcast is not only powerlifting focused. So if you want to go on a tangent, um, go ahead and do so. I I think that there are a lot of powerlifters, obviously, because of my background that are going to be listening. There's also a lot of people that aren't in powerlifting. And so I'm sure if we only talk about powerlifting, that might, I don't know, they, they might not like that. I'm sure a lot of powerlifters also wouldn't like that because a lot mm -hmm. of us seem to hate the sport that we love for some reason, um, which is, which is super funny. Um, so when, when did you realize, cause obviously you had all of this success going to worlds, play, you know, getting silver medals, winning nationals, uh, you know, four times, a lot of people would look at that in, you know, in current day powerlifting and be like, why, why would you stop? Right. Like there's, you, you're, you're on the right track. Did you have a moment where you were like, okay, it, I think it's time for me to to back off a little bit and, and maybe explore other areas in fitness and, 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 and sport. So there were definitely a few, um, a few factors. The largest factor by far was that, um, due to COVID pushing back worlds, maybe a year or two, I had this long off season that I never had since I started the sport. And I started thinking, okay, what are these like, what are things that I, I've been saying, you know, when I have an off season, when I have all this time, you know, I'll start doing. And for me, it always came back to the challenges that wrestling bestowed upon me that I didn't feel like I um, maybe not conquered because you can't conquer sport really. Yeah. Uh, but, but things I didn't develop proficiency in that maybe I shied away from when I was younger. So um, all these things kind of lined up. Uh, but when, Again, when COVID pushed back uh, IPF Worlds, I, I think it was 2019 or 2020. No. Yeah, Timeline wrong. It would have been, been 2020. Yeah, 2019, 2020. we were, it, it hit March 2020. Because that's when CNAS was also cut. Yeah. 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 That was a huge thing. So I, um, so I had been, I had made the world team for 2020, right? My, uh, my performance at nationals 2019 for me is one of the most heartfelt moments of my life. Dude, um, I remember that. I remember watching it. I remember watching you pull was 255. 260? Uh, I, think it was I just remember there was four reds and a yellow. And I was yeah, like, it was, oh um, my God. Like, dude, I, I went into the back. I called my dad and I just started bawling. I was so happy um, because for any listener who isn't, you know, who isn't familiar, which I don't blame you if you're not, especially if you're someone who started following me recently. I don't, this isn't, you know, I don't talk about my powerlifting career too much on Instagram these days. Um, so at my first IPF Worlds, I just remember sitting there being the new guy, right? I was like the kid on the team and I didn't know anyone. I barely knew where I was. I'm like, wow, like this is the craziest thing ever. 
Um, and I remember very distinctly watching Andres Ramos um, absolutely crush his performance there. And I was like, wow, if I can ever get strong like that guy, then, you know, like, I'll be so happy. Um, he was the age division up. He was a weight class down for me. And over the years, I slowly made my way down to that weight class. And without really, like, seeking out and kind of following him, um, as it may sound now that I'm saying it like this, uh, I found myself vying for a spot with him for the uh, world team spot for um, 2020, I think it was, or 2019. Yeah, 2020. So um, at like during my prep for nationals, um, I'm always like, I was always looking at the numbers. Um, what's Andres putting up? What's Alex Ono putting up? Um, there's there's a lot of guys in that 66 in that 66 division. It was pretty close, pretty competitive, and yeah. I was like, not really, like no way. But like I have this dream in the back of my head that I'm gonna, you know, maybe I can win. Like I just gotta stay strong, keep like we were saying earlier, just put in the work. What happens happens. You only yeah. have control of so much. Yeah. Uh, so I think I had a pretty bad strain in my adductor like two or three weeks out. I was like, I don't even know if I can compete. I couldn't squat at all going into that. I had to uh, take like five Advil to get through some sessions, man. It was pretty rough. I, a lot of my training was cut pretty short because of it. And uh, I get there and, you know, I missed my first lift. Missed my first squat. Now my hamstrings all, my, my adductor is all, you know, it's all screwed. How am I going to even make it through this meet? Um, and then after that, I had the perfect meet. I missed my first lift and that was the only one I missed. Um, and me and Andres, and I had a, a great handler, uh, I have to shout out Phil McCarthy because I don't think with, without him, I could have had a great performance like that at all. He kept my head on straight and he helped me throughout the rest of the meet. And I remember getting all the way down to the last lift. And I was like, this is well above, this is above my plan third, especially with the amount of hamstring pain I'm in right now. Uh, I don't know about this one. Um, and then Bill says, he's like, you pull this, you're winning, man. I don't think Andres has that third in him. And I ended up pulling it. I it, it was a big PR for me. Again, I went in the back and I'm like, oh wow, like this is insane. And then I see Andres miss his uh miss his third. And I'm like, and I just keep having this flashback back to that moment that I started the story with of seeing Andres at Worlds three years, I think three years prior, and thinking like, wow, like if I only I could ever do like like that guy. And um yeah. That was pretty awesome for me. And then COVID ruined it all and I didn't get to go to Worlds again. <laughs> Dude, that's uh I think I think that a lot of people have that feeling from that year. I know yeah. I was having like the prep of my life for collegiate nationals. You know, probably gonna put up something back in 2020 in the you know, mid to 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 high, like 740 to 760 key total. Yeah. And which was huge back then for a for a collegiate lifter now it's like normal which is absurd um and i'm still trying to get after that like mid 700s total and then steve man sent out the email and my I, my soul was just crushed i was like my one shot to get back that on was, the podium <laughs> that was rough that was a rough time for everyone and for yeah. me i started looking and i was like well i got that long off season now um so I'm sorry to go off on a long tangent like that. No, but that's you're good, man. Important story to me. And, no, uh, no, it's an incredible story, and and it's one that I wasn't super aware of. I knew what happened, but I didn't know all the intricacies of it. Um, do you think so? Obviously, it's hard to top that moment. Like that is like a probably a top three moment in your life ever, right? Or yeah, it's like, sure. or at least in sport. Um, with you top moving over to jujitsu, I agree with that. Yeah, if, with with you moving to jujitsu. Have you been able to kind of mimic or, or find that competitive spirit again? The the competitive spirit is there just as much, if not more. But the thing is, the success is not. Uh, okay. I, I found myself very successful in powerlifting. And I always thought this largely because of my genetic attributes, right? Like, if, if uh, a couple people, you know, you have five people who all put in the same exact work and powerlifting, one of them is going to be probably way stronger than the other. And 
that's just a harsh reality of the sport is that a lot of people who are working extremely hard aren't given their flowers because it's not, you know, they just don't got, they just don't have the genes. Does that mean that people shouldn't try and they, they shouldn't try to exceed that? Of course not. No. But for me, I always kind of felt like maybe my success in the sport was a little bit of bound to happen. And I know saying this out loud that that's not at all the case, but it does contribute to why I wanted to, to do something like jujitsu um, because I knew I wasn't going to have an easy time with it. I, I knew it was going to be extremely difficult for me and it has been. Um, I have spent, I spent maybe a year and a half of competing in it where I was barely able to avoid, like I was barely able to keep my head on straight going into the match. Uh, I was going absolutely crazy, like basically having like anxiety attacks going into it. And for me, I was like, this, this is horrible. This is a horrible experience, but I know one day I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get over it. And that's going to be more rewarding than anything else like ever. Um, so the to, to get back to the question, um, I definitely feel a competitive itch for it, but the fulfillment comes about a little bit of a different way because there are so many more challenges. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had mentioned it earlier and, and I'll let you maybe dive into it a little bit more now. Um, for those that don't know, BJJ is, is, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's, you know, I'm sure that you can give a little bit more, uh, insight on this, but it's, a it's part of, you know, kind of the under the umbrella of mixed martial arts. Um, a lot of high level UFC fighters have backgrounds in it, if not are experts in it. Um, and I mentioned that it's, it's a lot like a game of chess. It's not just physically brunt force like okay that guy's stronger he's just gonna be able to toss me i think and and i'm not sure if you know joe uh one of dev raj's friends from uh new york, or from new jersey his name's joe but um he does he he kind of introduced me to the world of brazilian jiu-jitsu before i knew a lot about it he had mentioned this to me and it it blew my mind and i was just like wait so you're telling me if somebody's strong they just can't walk on the mat and toss just like no, like this is a game of. If chess. only it was that. If only it was that simple. Bro. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that that's where you get your fulfillment? Is finding out those small intricacies and and being able to 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 break down your opponent uh, in a way that you couldn't in powerlifting because in powerlifting it's it's simply all objective. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. It definitely is like a large portion of what fascinates me about the sport. Um, I I mentioned to you. I mentioned this to you off air before we got on, but one of those like key moments for me in my transition from, you know, powerlifting to, okay, now I'm in this off season, I'm going to start doing a little jujitsu. I'm going to try doing the whole two dual sport thing is everyone who transitioned tried and everyone who transitioned. I, I tell early on, you're not going to be doing the dual sport thing. You're going to pick one over the other and it's probably going to be the new and fun one, right? Which is totally okay. Um, but yeah. When I was in that, I, I visited a gym, uh, a jiu-jitsu gym, and I ended up training with this, this little girl who was like 90, maybe 100 pounds, right? And I got absolutely demolished, right? Absolutely demolished. Now, this wasn't any random girl, right? This is Grace Gondrum. If anyone knows anything about jiu-jitsu, you know who Grace Gondrum is. I believe she was number two pound-for-pound -pound female in the world at that time, right? So she was, she was great, but... I, uh, you know, I would try to make a grip or, or like a shoulder post and that hand was going the other way and I was going with it. Right. And, uh, I got choked out like three times in, in like five minutes and I just on the drive home, I'm thinking, huh? So it really doesn't mean shit if I can squat 551, huh? <laughs> so to know like all of that can be neutralized if you know what you're doing to me it was it, it was just such a fascinating moment to me um because to me it didn't even make any sense you know yeah no no absolutely i can't i can't imagine what that would feel like i'm sure that no offense but uh probably a little bit demoralizing uh getting choked out by a 95 pound female regardless yeah, so if she's number two in the world or not you yeah. know it's just like what the hell is going on 
as anyone who's done jujitsu knows, those moments uh, comprise a large a large portion of the first few months of trading. And That's for me, so about one or two months in at that time. It's like yeah. it's like the opposite of the newbie gains that that new powerlifters get. Yeah, it's like newbie gains. It's like you feel like God. You, you feel, feel like you're on yeah. top of the world. You, you ego goes through like, the roof. You are, you go through a meat grinder now. Yeah, yeah, and then and then BJJ. It's just like yeah, no, I want to I want to put my head in a wall. Yeah, I I do think I was largely motivated by um, experiences like that, like getting my ass kicked a bit. Yeah. For me, I was like, well, if these people are doing it, like, I'm sure I can too, right? Like, why can't I, I learn the same thing? And to me, I was like, now, what if I was able to have the, the technical prowess of this, of, of grace, plus being pretty strong, that'd be really cool, I think. And uh, two years later, I'm nowhere near, near there, but we're still trying. Yeah, no, I think that I think that that's a very important thing to note. And I, I say it all the time to my clients. I think I've said it on this podcast uh, numerous times, but I'm sure that was probably one of the lowest points in your BJJ career. And I'm sure that you've had multiple of those, as you mentioned, you know, getting your ass kicked first few months is just like tradition in the sport. Yeah. Um, but I think I mentioned in the last episode that those moments, they, they literally just have to happen. You have to be. You have to have your worst performance at some point. It has yeah. to happen eventually. I think I put it in the perspective of in the first year of my PhD program, I choked during presentations numerous times, numerous times. And I think that I even went into our, our group chat and, and talked about it. I think Atomu was the one that, that was like, hey, it had to happen. Like it, be lucky that it happened early. I think the same thing is is true in in BJJ where it's like God, Absolutely. be lucky that you that you're getting kicked, you're ass kicked by a by somebody that's much smaller than you now. Because if it happens in year three, like you got a problem, buddy. I'll I'll be upset. Yeah, yeah. Then you're uh, really gonna be bad. Yeah. Um. You know, one thing I say. So like recently, I've been on this uh this kick where I'm trying to compete as often as possible in jujitsu, which is another great comparison between the two sports. It's not uncommon for jiu-jitsu competitors to compete, you know, 20 plus times a year. I know in the past month I've had eight matches, right? How many times do powerlifters compete a year? Two, three? Three is probably the crazy. three is kind of the the I like I like people competing three. I think three is a perfect number. You you do you do a, a primer meet, a big meet, a little bit of an off season, and then like a big meet at the end. Yeah. Totally. Um, I think three is money. Four is a little bit too much. I know there were stories of of Ed Cohn back in like the the eighties and nineties where he'd compete like five six times a year, but that was just a different era. Yeah, you know? there were um some differences in the uh, a little bit. Yeah, there's some some supplementation differences for sure. Yeah. Um, but sorry to interrupt. It's all good. Um. Yeah, so one thing I've been saying a lot with competing as, as frequently as possible, again, I've competed probably four times in the past month. And uh, for me, that's a lot. For some people, it's not. But for most people, it's a lot. And uh, I just keep saying, you know, it's better I make these mistakes now at Blue Belt than if I'm competing at Black Belt. Right? That, you know, I, I've made some silly mistakes. And do those silly mistakes suck? Yeah. But as long as I can go back to the training room and reevaluate with my coaches and with my teammates and not make that silly mistake again, then, you know, that's a huge win because again, like I'm competing at blue belt. I'm not just competing in open class jujitsu events. You know, there's, there's a cap in skill level and you know, they, it's, um, I'm, I'm very fond of having that ability to like scale yourself to find competitors who are similar to yourself. Um, because again, it's just going to expose like those, those little, little details um and yeah again always better to make the mistakes early on than when you got a lot more skin in the game that that's a really good point and it's it's something that that i talk about a lot in powerlifting and i'm sure that you had seen this in your career as well um is that competing is a skill it simply is being able to lift to a standard that is a subjective standard 
it's it's not objective. You know, people look at things that refs look at things that diff, in different ways, and in every single sport that happens. Um, and and being able to lift to that subjective standard and keep a level head, all of that kind of stuff is a skill that you have to learn how to do. And so that's why I mean, you doing that is is very it, it lines. Uh, it's very parallel to what I tell a lot of my younger clients, a lot of the guys that are first, second year in powerlifting, where I'm pushing them. I'm like, let's compete. Like, when's the next meet? Let's get in there. Because yeah. that will show those small little changes and the small little uh, mishaps that occur. And that way we're doing it at a local level. We're, you know, we're understanding that, hey, if we get a ref that holds them on their chest for a bench press a little bit longer than the norm, we have to prepare for it. We have to be ready for it rather than getting them, you know, once, twice a year competing, which a lot of powerlifters love to do. They love to take this long off season and then compete and put up this crazy PR total because it looks super good on Instagrams. So, oh, I PR'd my total by 40 kilograms. Everybody's hyping them up, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you have to do. And that's what you have to do. But I think if you have the time to compete multiple times a year, it's only going to be better for you as a lifter you're going to get to your peak strength you're going to have more more exposure to your peak strength and and that trend line is just going to continue going up if you stay healthy yeah uh i i absolutely agree with that i think that is not just a parallel between the two sports but between all sports is we have this phenomenon of people who are amazing in the training room and are not able to put it together in competition and um it's always such a, a fascinating question, one that I, you know, am really passionate about finding out myself um, with with athletes, with within my own experience. And, you know, just because I'm curious about it, it's like, how can we actually make this more normal? Everyone says, oh, like, don't think about it. You know, this is the same as when we're training. But again, the the skill of competing, right? We all know it's extremely important, but what actually is it? And it's a it's a thing I talk to my uh, I talk to coaches about all the time. And for me, what I'm currently kind of thinking is not have not having this great skill of competing, like you're amazing at it, but rather having an ability to not get nerves associated with competing. Right? I think there is almost this. What's what's your competition factor? Like, how much do those nerves affect you? Right? Are you are you getting 80% of the, the normal self or are you getting 100%? And for some people, it's not even a question. They're, they're always at 100. The, the nerves, non-existent for them. That's a great thing to have. Um, but again, you know, figuring out how to actually get through that, it's very difficult. And uh, the only thing that I can point towards is people who are in that camp. They don't compete well. They compete more frequently. They seem to get better adjusted at it. And uh, a little bit of a rant there just to give a, th uh, a four, five word conclusion to it. But yeah, it's something that's fascinated me a lot. And it's a, it's a bit less of a factor in powerlifting, I think. But um, it's still there regardless. And it's definitely there within all sports. Yeah. Have you heard of the the Yerkes Dodson law? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll explain it here, but I, I want you to look into it afterwards because I think it, it, completely summarizes what you're talking about basically the yerkes dotson or yerkes dotson law it's uh a, a a law um in psychology that puts uh performance and arousal on a graph arousal on the x-axis performance on the y-axis at low arousal so you're not hyped up you're not really feeling like you're you're good or whatever you're probably going to have low performance. And this happens with learning as well. If you're not aroused while you're learning something, you're not going to be able to perform well once you get tested on whatever you're supposed to, whatever you're supposed to learn. That's why people don't really do well in these big lecture halls where the, the professor is just reading off a, uh, a slide the whole time. They need that engagement that increases the arousal, which increases their performance. Much like in sport, if you increase your arousal, so say we get to like, ideal arousal is around midpoint of that x-axis all of a sudden you're at the top of that top of that curve for uh for for performance and then it drops back down and so if you're too aroused if you're if you have too much anxiety all of that kind of stuff your performance differs i think competing more often 
and being able to learn the skill of competing that we keep coming back to really just allows you to find where you are on that curve. A lot of newer, uh, newer people competing are, are way too aroused. They're, they're, they're super nervous. They, they can't perform well. And it's because they have this anxiety attached to their performance. And so their performance just sucks. Like it's, it just happens. And people that maybe are too old in the sport, and it's, I don't see this too often, but they just don't have the arousal level that they need. And it's just like, why would I, I don't care. It's like walking into a session week one of a powerlifting block. It's like, ah, you know, not only am I sore, but like my mind's just not there to lift heavy yeah. weight right now. And so and that, that's like a, that's like, bad. like a classic uh, feature of burnout, which yeah. absolutely, yeah. you know, coincides with what you're talking about, which I do recall now hearing about somewhere on a TSA podcast a few years ago. So shout out to the, the TSA guys. Yeah, dude. Uh, Shout out the OGs. So, um, so but then somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle, you have this like, you know, perfect point where you're just enough aroused by the like the environment and the crowd or, you know, by yourself and, and kind of hyping yourself up. And performance is perfect. It's peak. Like you, you can't get higher than that. And tr I think, again, just finding out where you need to be happens through competing you don't find it on the first time i know that for me i always tried to be this like oh, i'm so focused in in the weight room like i i just i want to just kill the weight all that hype myself up but so much i would over arouse myself i'd pop the ammonia in my in my nose and then all of the technical cues that i've been practicing for the entire block go out the window and i found myself having to just be calm like i'm a very calm lifter I told a lot of people this about my last meet. I didn't listen to music. I didn't have my headphones in for the entire meet. I just hung out, talked to the people around me, talked to Steven Singleton, who was handling me, had conversations, just kind of chilling out. And when I needed to have that little like extra oomph before I got on the platform, I would give it to myself. But I knew that if I was having the headphones in and hyping myself up the entire time, I'd just be too nervous going out on the platform and forget everything. So I'm much more calm. Other people, they need that. They, if yeah. they don't have that, if they don't have the death metal blaring in their headphones and, and the ammonia stuck up their nose, like they're not going to perform well. It's just not going to happen. But you can't find that without exposing yourself to competition. So that's kind of the, the basis of this whole thing is, is yeah. the more you're exposed to competition, the better you're going to be at competing. It, it makes sense at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, every competition should be looked at unless it's like, you know, a world championship. At the end of the day, 90% of competitions for 90% of people should be viewed as experiments to try the, the new methods that you've been doing in your training block and the new methods of competing with, with the new person that you are. Because every time we go through a training block, we come out a slightly different person. So it's important to, to also note that Sometimes that changes, right? Sometimes the, the, the cues you need change. Like over how long, how long have you been competing, Rob? Dude, I'm first competition 2017, technically 2016, if you count the, the, the charity meets that I did as a high schooler. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're a very different person now. Oh, this yeah. Not do well, do as well with what 2017 Rob did. 2017 Rob? Doesn't sound like he would have liked what uh, 2023 Rob does, no. right? So I 2017 think 2017 Rob wanted to be the badass in the weight room, yeah, the badass in the warm up room to talk to nobody. Just yeah, not who I am though. Come on. Yeah. yeah, I think I think we all have this like idea, this this mask we put on of like what does a good competitor look like, and at the end of the day, we we a lot of people come to learn that that's not actually like this mask is not. The mask of what a this is not what a good competitor looks like. This is what someone who was also shaking in their boots next year, they're also putting that mask on. And again, powerlifting is not not a very inherently scary thing, but I find combat sport to be, and that has been a useful thing for me to understand. Uh, one of my one of my good friends, Sergio, he said, "Listen, Evan, they're they're more scared of us out there than than you are of them." I was like, "Well." 
I'm pretty scared. So I don't know about that. And I was like, if I just internalize that as true, then I, I guess it becomes true. You know? So uh, another little tangent. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to somewhat shift the topic a little bit yeah. um, because you did start talking about uh, what you do as a coach. And I don't think we had introduced that you also not only coach powerlifters and, and had coached powerlifters in the past, but you do a lot of strength and conditioning coaching. And I have a, a small background in that, doing that for about a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, Which, by think, the way, very, very inspiring for me to see. Thank you. I appreciate it, that. It was very cool. The, the work you were doing at the time was, was very interesting to me. And it, again, it inspired me a little bit to kind of pursue on my own, like, oh, well, maybe this this box that I've been, I've, I've been in, I don't have to be in it. I can do kind of whatever I want and I can take strength and conditioning wherever I want it to be. Yeah. Do you see, um, because, you know, back in your day, 2019, 2020, 2021, I think a big, and even in 2018, I think a big thing, a big conversation in the powerlifting world was the oversaturation of coaches. It's a little bit, it's a little bit peeled off now. I think that the, the educational um, side of things has gotten a lot better. And so there's less of these, you know, like finding out about a bad coach or less of these like arrogant new coaches that come around because at the end of the day, everybody has, they, we all have the same education that we can get through powerlifting now or YouTube, Steve Denovi and Sean and Marcellus have done a great job. And, uh, and, and Matt Cronin, your boy, your boy, shout Matt out. is, is shout out Matt Cronin. I have um, I say right now, Matt Cronin, I cannot say enough good things about him. Uh, he was my coach throughout the large majority of my powerlifting career. So quick aside there, just gotta give, give the homie a shout out. So yeah, dude, great guy. Met him, met him once or twice at nationals and he's done nothing but put smiles on people's faces. Um, another, another strong ass vegan too. So you guys are putting on for the, for the vegan community, but did you see, you know, kind of that, obviously you experienced that and, and you did start coaching powerlifters. Did that almost make you want to move away from powerlifting coaching? Or was it simply that you, you found passion in martial arts and, and jujitsu and you were like, wow, this is, this seems a lot more fun to coach. This is just where my passions align. And so I'm going to have a lot more thought into the coaching. I'm going to have a lot more passion about it. Uh, I, I think that's a great question. Um, so there's a couple factors that lead into it. Uh, one is the actual reasons about like the sport itself and, and why I would find something more appealing than others. And then there's a big focus of it for me was actually what I found more fulfilling. Um, so number one being like when we're training to get strong, right? What does that actually mean? That, that, that's a very different term for a bunch of different people. For jujitsu, what does it mean to be strong? Means if you push someone, are they moving? You know, are you if you grab their wrist, are they yanking their hand away? Or if you grab, if they grab you, are you moving? No, like that. That is a very different answer than what is my bench press number in powerlifting competition, right? Uh, so for me, when I looked at the needs and demands of the sport of powerlifting versus like, you know again, general sport training, when I saw how like pigeonholed you were with are with training, um, again, not this is inherently bad, it's just, you know, different. It's like, if we're looking to get a strong, like strong legs, there is one lift that you have to do no matter what to measure that positively. You have to be doing a barbell back squat. You probably want to do low bar, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things going on that, you know, mo like generally like powerlifters are going to want to do, right? Like when we bench press, most people are probably going to want to maximize their arch. They're going to want to minimize range of motion for the most part. And again, not bad things at all. But for me, I enjoy the freedom that general training has. Uh, and I say general just to mean non-powerlifting. So if, if that sounds a bit vague of a term, I just mean non-powerlifting um, that like, I can come up with so many different answers to the question of leg strength, depending on what the sport is and who the athlete is. And to me, it like, it, it certainly can complicate things a little bit, but it can also 
make it more fun or you almost get a little bit more um I don't know if create creativity is the right word for it, but to me it's it's kind of fun of solving the puzzle different ways of like, okay, what like I have two athletes here. I want them both to have a good good strong legs, right? But I have to go through my checklist uh, of my exercise selection checklist. For me, it always comes down to one, does this hurt? And right off the bat, if we're in powerlifting and the barbell back squat hurts, like you kind of you kind of have to suck it up sometimes. Whereas like in the gym working with athletes, I can go, okay, for you it does. Like for you, this the this barbell back squat hurts. For you, it doesn't. Like maybe that's good for you because then the second part is what are they able to do competently with good technique? And then three, what are they able to load? Right. So load is kind of inherent within the exercise, um, whether or not they're able to, right? Like um, like a Bosu ball squatter. Um, I'm struggling to come up with an example, but because I don't think I try not to think about bad exercises. Right? So I don't yeah. have um, <laughs> it's a good, it's generally a good plan. Yeah. You want to focus on the good ones, not the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that, that freedom of like, okay, I can throw you in a zercher squat and you can crush it. I can throw you in a zercher squat. You're not going to do well with it at all. But now I can give you an SSB or I can give you a goblet or maybe we got to get a little crazy with it. And I have a, a kettlebell and we're doing the foam roller hack squat. Like for me, that fun of it, like that was the fun of it to, to a, to a degree is, uh, I really enjoyed the freedom of training that is not directly restricted by what we have to do. Um, to, sorry, that was a little long of an answer, but to get yeah, on to the other point, um, one of the very first things I heard at uh, Stoked Athletics, which I, I was my first in-person coaching job, which I am extremely grateful for, and I love those guys there. Um, one of the very first things I heard was, well, when I first came in, I thought, Okay, I'm gonna work with the athletes. Right? And every every person who is a personal trainer, like I'm sure they think I'm gonna work with the strongest athletes in the whole world. I'm gonna do the NFL guys. I'm gonna be working with with the, with the pros, right? That's what every trainer thinks when they first get started. Um, and I don't remember exactly who said it to me. I think it may have been Gaspar Ferentelli. Okay, shout out to the shout out to the guys at Stoke uh, and the gals. Shout out to everyone at Stoke. Um, he said to me, you know, I mean, I actually kind of thought that as well when I first started, but if we think about maximizing the, the out, the outcomes we can have of training, the, the percentage difference in quality of life for someone like me or someone like you or someone like you, Rob, as well, right? The difference between a good coach and a bad coach, not bad coach, but like a slightly less good coach is like at the end of the day, you're probably going to be strong and fit no matter what. But once we get into general population, maybe start working with older populations, people who aren't in the gym too much, the exact opposite of the, the pro athletes, right? Those are the people where you're going to see that large difference of like, oh, like you were, uh, you know, clinically obese and, and we've been able to shave off 20 pounds. Like, you know, now you can, now you have much more function now your quality of life is likely improved. Even the, the duration quantity of life is likely improved. And um, this one time a, a client came up to me and she said, oh, you know, Evan, I got to say, I was able to hold my grandkids and like, I haven't been able to do that too well. And I was like, what? Like, I couldn't even believe it because I show up to work every day and I think, okay, I'm here. I'm having a good time. Like I focus on what I, I try to focus very hard on day to day. So sometimes I don't look out at that macro view and think like, okay, when they first started, they were here. Now they're here. I'm thinking of like day to day, week to week, as you probably do as well. Um, so to hear a story like that will will always mean like that's probably the most fulfilling thing I can hear. Yeah. So um, again. Sorry about the ranting answer. No, kind dude, you're totally fine. Quit apologizing. You're the guest. People want to hear you talk. They listen to me talk too much. Um, no, and 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 stoked is is uh, I can't say better things about that gym. Uh, mm -hmm. They've seemed to 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 really figure out a formula of providing good results with good coaches and an incredibly like strong community. I don't think I've seen a gym with a stronger community. Um, Period. And their model's a little, it's like a little different, you know? Yeah. 
everyone who's seen the Stoke marketing knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, they, they have it's found sick. Some their niche. And um, yeah, again, I have a lot of good things to say about them. Incredibly grateful for my time working with them. And uh, you know, if they hadn't taken a, a chance on me, you know, being that obviously I've had coaching experience, but before I got there, you know, like I, I, I didn't have any, like if you asked me to write a resume about why you should hire me as a coach, I wouldn't be able to give you much besides online stuff. This is my first in person. So um, the, the about a year that I was with them, you know, um, that experience was, was so valuable to me. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, obviously I came in with the same mentality. I worked at a D one, which is like a, a franchised, uh, strength and conditioning performance. What's up? I wonder what the focus is of D one. Yeah, I know. Right. It's hard to, hard to say. But a lot of the things that I did was I, I coached general fitness adult strength and conditioning classes where we're doing some sort of plyometric, we're doing some sort of strength movement, and we're doing some sort of conditioning movement every single day. The, the, the focus is very, I think our split was like upper, lower, full, upper, lower, full, um, which is generally good. You know, it's not, not a bad split. Um, but I I quickly found that coaching regular people is fucking awesome. It's like it's, it's so fulfilling, so I, I incredibly fulfilling. Out and do it. It's it's amazing because yes, again, we all want to coach that the high level athletes. You know, as, as powerlifters, we want to coach the people that are going to worlds or going to prime time slot at nationals, all that kind of stuff. But seeing lower level lifters or, or new lifters compete and make these strides and seeing, you know, people that are just getting into strength and conditioning, you know, get healthier, just generally healthier. And like you said, improve their lifespan, improve their life space. Me and Dev in our in our discussion a couple episodes ago, we talked about the ability to improve somebody's life space, the amount of space that they can actually go to. And it's, it's, it. it's, it's the whole thing where, and, and I was kind of told this at D1, when you're selling something, you're not selling the product, you're selling, you know, in personal training, you're not selling the product or in coaching, you're not selling the product, you're selling what somebody wants to do. And, and I was told to really pick on that in an inquiry call or an inquiry meeting or a, a, like a meeting with a potential client to the point where you know, one of the ones that I had, it was, okay, what's your goal? And and that's where it generally comes from is asking them what their goals are. And, you know, they're like, oh, I want to lose some weight. It's like, well, okay, why do you want to lose that weight? Uh, well, you know, I, I just, I don't feel good. I said, well, why don't you feel good? Well, you know, like, it, uh, I just, you know, walk around every day and I, my energy's low. Okay, well, why do you want your energy to be higher? Well, you know, I would really love to go on like this hiking trip with my family, but I don't know if I can do it. Okay, cool. Now we have it. We don't have, ah, I just want to lose some weight. Yeah, everybody wants to lose some weight. Like you're just like everybody else. No, now you have a tangible goal that we can work towards and be like, okay, in a year, this shouldn't be an issue. We're going to improve your life space to the point where it doesn't matter. You can go on that hike. You can go on, go surfing with your friends. You can, you can do whatever you want. Go play pickleball. Um, and you won't have to worry, uh, what, what if I get injured or what if it's a little bit embarrassing, all that kind of stuff, you're going to have the skill set and the, the, the ability to do all these things. Um, and so I, I think that, that having, I think that one coaching in person is an incredibly valuable tool for any coach. I think if you're a powerlifting coach and you haven't coached in person before, reach out to a local powerlifting gym, see if you can set up like a a once a week or twice a week club that people can come in and you can coach in person because you don't know how to communicate in person. It's much harder to communicate over the phone, uh, especially yep. through text messages. Um, it's something that I've talked to you about multiple times and I I'm hoping, you know, yeah. still reigns true in your life. Um, and, and two, like just understand that there's, there's more to the goals that these clients have. There's more to, to just, oh, I want to put more, more pounds on my total. Okay. Yeah. That's every, that's the goal of powerlifting, but why do you want to do that? And in powerlifting, it's a little bit more shallow. You know, I want to qualify for nationals. Cool. Now we have a tangible goal. I want to place at nationals or collegiate nationals. Cool. Now we have a tangible goal, but 
if you're going into general fitness training, you're really going to have to pick at these clients to figure out what it is. And once you do, and once you see them achieve that goal, it's the most fulfilling thing in the world. It's insane. Like I'm, I'm, I can't imagine what it felt like for you to hear that, that woman tell you, it's like, I'm able to hold my grandchildren now. Like, I almost that's, I, it's I, making, it's making, it's I, bringing chills to my skin. Like it's, that's insane. I had to, you know, I, Coach Evan doesn't show any emotions because those are not productive to the session, but it was difficult to hold those ones back. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And and man, on on a little bit on a little bit more of a note, uh, I've used grandchildren as also a kick in the ass for people um, because I've had people come back up to me, me and be like, "Ah, dude, I don't know, I I don't have the time to do this." Blah blah. blah. It's like, well, buddy, it's like. Do you want to hold? Do you want to see your grandkids? And you better, better kick your health up. That normally, that normally, that normally does the trick. It's a little harsh, but it works. Again, like going back to this, like freedom of methodology that you can use to motivate people, right? Like finding out what makes a client tick and what makes them, you know, a little, little shying away from the goal. Like the actual like psychology of coaching is so, so intricate and it's such a, complex topic to to tackle uh yeah. I, I love what you have to say about the life space and such i'm definitely going to bring that into my own coaching and in the gym i work at and bring that into our vocabulary um because yeah, it's such a it's such a big thing that people don't realize is like you might be using a little bit of time now where you think like oh i don't have the time how do i fit it in but when you almost frame it as like you're fitting the time in now this much time to get this much time later, you know, or maybe not even directly adding time to your life, but again, just quality. Like how much are you going to be able to run around with your grandkids? Like how many hikes are you going to be able to go on? How much energy are you going to have day to day to do, you know, those socially fulfilling tasks with, with the loved ones around you and, and such like that. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, a large number of people have this goal of weight loss, but it's not it's not a vain thing at all. And a lot of the time you have to dig a little bit to actually find out like what, what is it you're after right now? And with powerlifting, it's, it's pretty simple. Like most people do powerlifting so that they can find some competitive success and then feel good about themselves. They feel badass winning competitions. Like very rarely is it like um, the instance that you described or, or the, um, that little anecdote that I brought up of like, Okay, like there's actually something really, really deep here of like, I need to be able to go on a hike with my family. Um, but they're always there. Uh, one thing I feel like is a passionate thing about me as a trainer is relating to clients and kind of trying to understand the intricate um, motivations that they have. Um, I feel like to sometimes like just be like oh they're a weight loss client like they're trying to put on some muscle like i feel like you're almost doing a disservice to them by not you know understanding the motivation a little bit better because you could better serve them that way yeah no dude absolutely and you you hit on lifter psychology a little bit and i want to or not lifter psychology sorry client psychology well they're all lifters. Um, yeah they're, they're all lifters at the end of the day they all lift the weight it's awesome um have you seen like a stark difference between like a sport like BJJ and powerlifting from a coaching aspect? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. But from the from maybe the ability to handle adversity or the ability to to overcome, quote unquote, hard times, because um, in, in powerlifting, it, it happens a ton. Injuries are if you want to be a high level powerlifter. Injuries are bound to happen. You know, it it, it just when you're pushing your, your body to that point, like it, it just happens. Um, and I'm sure the same thing is, is, is in BJJ. I mean, you guys are literally snapping or tapping. Like that's a completely like much wilder experience, but, um, have you seen even in like a younger level or, or, uh, an intermediate level of, of BJJ, uh, competitors that there is like, they can just handle it better or is or is it kind of the same? Uh, I would say that powerlifting to jujitsu, um, the the athletes have a much 
more similar mindset. Whereas if we compare it a little bit to powerlifting to wrestling. So I've worked with a few wrestlers now. Um, again, it's the majority of the people I work with in person, uh, high school wrestlers, and, and I love them. But some of them are, are uh, stuck in this mindset of, I have to suffer in order for this training to be valuable. They wouldn't see the value of a sub-max day. If I explained to them what a sub-max day is, they would probably just start calling me a pansy, right? You know, um, and that's a joke, obviously, because my clients respect me. Um, but the ability for powerlifters, and I think this is one of the great strengths that people can take away from the sport, or at least I have, is this ability to zoom out, go, okay, where am I here? This is where I want to be. This is going to look like week one, week two, week three, dip, week one, week two, week three, dip, right? Um, week four, you know what I'm saying, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and have this understanding like, oh, you might get hurt here. You might feel great here. You might get hurt, you know, all this stuff. Um, because the training, again, there's much less variables to have go wrong. So we can kind of look at that trend line, right? Whereas um, in wrestling or in jiu-jitsu, or really, again, this probably applies to all sports. Uh, there's a lot more focus on like day-to-day -day improvement. I think it makes sense to have a bit more of an emotional attachment to day-to-day -day performance when that day-to-day -day performance is the difference between like getting tossed by your buddies or not. But um, yeah, I kind of forget where I was going with this a little bit. But um, the ability to zoom out and keep a level head and stay focused about this, you know, the trend as opposed to the day-to-day, -day, I find is the biggest difference. Again, the uh, wrestlers, the jujitsu guys, anybody I tend to work with outside of powerlifting, it's a lot of like, okay, am I working hard enough for this to make sense? Because it's ingrained within those sports that you need to work hard. You like, you know, suffering is a is a core tenet of the sport of wrestling. It it just is. It makes sense why it's that way, but they don't have to bring. You don't always have to bring that mentality into the weight room. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Is the sport mentality bringing into the weight room sometimes can can negatively interfere. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really cool point you bring up that I had never thought about when comparing powerlifting to other sports is. Powerlifters inherently, if you want to be good in the sport, you have to zoom out. You have to understand, you know, and this also goes into coaching and, and, and education and kind of into the into the into the post that I made, you know, last week or two weeks ago about client education and being when you're a coach, you have to tell your your clients when to push, when not to push, what what certain days are there for, what certain variations are there for. I think powerlifters do have a, a very good um way to to zoom out and be like okay like obviously i know that i'm not going to feel good on week one like i just maxed out week four hit rp nine single week four bound to happen but you know i'll take that little dip in performance because then i know you know i'm gonna be better week four of this block you know and then be better again week four of the next block and it just kind of continually happens wherein bjj or other sports like for me in football getting better was a daily thing it was like, I have to be better every single time I step on the field because much like in BJJ, you're getting tossed by your buddies. I was getting smacked around by my buddies, you know, getting literally hit with pads on. And those are you your guys are getting thrown, you though. You can't just say, oh, it's okay. I was, a, I, I was raised in power thing. It's like, uh, my, my top single today is going to be five kilos off. That's okay. Like, that's a very reasonable statement. But you're not going to then turn around and go, yeah, my best friend choked me out three times today. Yeah. Or like you're not gonna you're not gonna go to your coach in football and go like ah yeah you know sorry I just I can't run 100 percent today so yeah he's gonna look at you and go why like ah it's a sub max day no it's not I had a similar conversation once uh, in a wrestling practice and uh, I look back at it uh, comically to say yeah. the least it's very funny no I think I think this is a, a perfect place to to end the podcast I. Really, really appreciate you coming on. This is one of the best conversations that I think we've put out, which I'm I'm very excited to to bring to everybody. If you have um, gotten to this point, I I am super grateful 
Um, again, this is still something that I'm trying to figure out. Evan, I know you have stuff to plug, so I'm going to give you a chance. Instagram, websites, where you're at, what you're doing. Go ahead, throw it out there, and then uh, tell the world. Yeah. So first, before I get into any of that, I have to say, like, the, the main reason I came onto this podcast was to have a fun conversation with my friend Rob. And uh, I definitely did. This, this, was, this was awesome. I'm so excited to have done this. So happy about it. And um, yeah, if you guys want to want to follow me or anything, it's at Evan Glasgow. Uh, I recently started an account where I strictly post about, you know, coaching myself as a coach, my journey, uh, all that. So that's Evan.strengthcoach. Um, I am currently working out of a gym called Breakthrough Performance LI. If you guys would like to follow them as well. Uh, keep a little better tabs on on what I'm doing. And um, yeah, again, huge shout out to Rob um, and shout out to everyone else that we may have talked about in the podcast. Thank you again, Rob. Um, I don't know. I, I said to him before, I hope you guys listening have noticed that recently these podcasts have really stepped it up. So uh, I it's a huge honor for me to be on. Yeah, no, dude, I, I appreciate you a ton. You've been a you've been a friend for for a long enough time that we needed to have this conversation at some point. Yeah. Um, all of those things that he mentioned, his Instagram, his coaching Instagram, and then his his gym that he works for, those are all going to be in the show notes. And so if you want to go down there and just click it, it'll send a link straight to the uh, straight to those pages. Um, but again, super grateful for everybody that stuck around to this point. And as always, continue climbing.